0: I have uh, really enjoyed our conversations about Ruth over the last few weeks, Uh, and I have come to love Ruth even more uh, just from this series. We began by um, calling uh, sort of our theme out from the book of Ruth and for this series, which was to move forward from our past to our future. And I really think that's what the book of Ruth is kind of all about, moving forward with God from our past to our future. So we began and we talked about how God calls us uh, as a first step in moving forward to commit to not turning back. And we had that beautiful language from Ruth to Naomi of where you go, I will go. Uh, Where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people will be my people. Your God will be my God. And then we talked a little bit about how from little God can make much. And we read the story of Ruth gleaning in the fields of Boaz. And then we talked about how God gives us these glimpses of future hope. Not the full picture, not the full promise, but just this, this foreshadowing, this foretaste of his goodness uh, as Naomi and Ruth discovered that God had arranged a connection between Boaz and Ruth. Then we talked about how God calls us to move into the, forward, uh, into the future um, with some risk and, and the risky business of Ruth and Boaz on the threshing floor. And then last week, we talked about God's call, uh, not only that we are redeemed, but that He calls us to be redeemers, uh, to reclaim the past for the future at some cost to ourselves. Uh, Today, I want to talk a little bit, as we end this book, on what it means to have a story that matters. Because I think one of the most important components of our movement forward from our past into the future God has for us is recognizing that we have a story that matters. Before we get too far down that um, line, however, I I also want to point out one interesting component of this last section of Ruth that we're going to play with today, and it's um, this idea of sort of a surprise ending. Um, And so we're going to talk about some of the surprise endings of Ruth. Um, Last week, I shared a story uh, of a Good Samaritan, and this week, I actually got a a video about a Good Samaritan from somebody in the church who sent it to me, and um, I just thought it was so um, perfect for our conversation today. I wanted to share it with you. So here's a a clip about another Good Samaritan. Okay, uh, surprise endings, right? Um, make all the difference in the world. Uh, I, I really love the way the, the author, Ruth, Ruth, ends this book because not unlike our little video, there are all these fantastic surprise endings that come, at least two, maybe three. So we're going to talk about how those surprise endings point us to a story that matters. So the, the first thing um, that I hope you noticed at the end of this book is that it doesn't end with Boaz and it doesn't end with Ruth. It ends with Naomi, which is really interesting. And and actually, as you read the story of Ruth, um, this is kind of Naomi's story. It it begins with her and her husband and her two sons going down into the land of Moab where everyone but her passes away. Uh, And then remember that Ruth comes up out of Moab when the Lord remembers his people and gives them bread in Israel. Uh, But when she comes back, she comes back just with a daughter-in-law, no husband, no children. And Ruth says, don't call me Ruth anymore. I'm sorry, Naomi says, don't call me Naomi anymore, right, which means pleasant. She says, call me Mara, which means bitter because my life is bitter. And she says, God sent me away full and he brought me back empty. And the book of Ruth is really a question amongst other things of how Naomi's emptiness can get filled up. Okay? Uh, so we come back to Naomi at the end of this book and um, we get our first surprise ending. So we, we talked last week about, uh, and the week before, that um, there is a, an ongoing problem in the book we're trying to solve, not just Naomi's emptiness, but how the line of her family will be continued and how she and her daughter in, uh, daughter-in-law Ruth will be cared for as widows. But that's not the, the full extent of Naomi's problem. You see, at, at this point, Ruth's life is looking really good, right? Ruth has found a husband and stability, and she's had her first child. Things are looking good for Ruth. Um, but for Naomi, um, even though her desire was for her daughter-in-law to be cared for, um, Naomi could end this book in a weird place, right? She now is the former mother-in-law of this woman, Ruth, and has no actual legal or biological connection to Ruth or Boaz or their child except for this little surprise ending. So I I don't know if you noticed this, but there are some weird comments that happen uh, in this section here. We're told in verse 14 um, that uh, the women come to Naomi, not to Ruth, but to Naomi, and they say, Blessed be the Lord who has not left you this day without a Goel, and may his name be renowned in Israel. He shall be to you a restorer of life and a nourisher of your old age. And then even more strange, in verse 17 it says, The women came, uh, to, the women of the neighborhood came to Naomi and the baby and gave him a name, saying, A son has been born to Naomi. A son has been born to Naomi. That's weird, right? That's not right. A son has been born to Ruth, not to Naomi. Uh, A couple other weird pieces in this surprise ending. Um, We're told uh, in verse 16, Naomi took the child and laid him on her bosom and became his nurse. Now, Naomi is too old to be a wet nurse. Um, So what does that mean? Well, well, that word nurse um, in the Hebrew has a connotation of, of foster parent, right? It's a similar word that's used to describe Mordecai's relationship to Esther, right? Esther is an orphan, Mordecai is her uncle, but he becomes a foster parent for her. Uh, And the implication here is not just that Ruth and Boaz have a child, and that child legally inherits the name of Naomi's husband. It's that um, they go to Naomi and they say, hey, we want you to to co-parent with us, right? We want you to help raise our child not just as a grandparent, right, but as a parent. Um, this child's going to live in your home as often as he lives in ours, uh, and when you grow old, this child who you raise will be the one who will care for you in your old age, right? Not Ruth, your daughter-in-law, but Obed, who is going to be your son. Right? It, it is like the ultimate gift that happens in the bible right where where Naomi who knew that she could never have another child again never remarry again somehow ends up in her old age not just as a grandmother in law but as a mother as a mother to Obed and and she gets this incredible promise where the people say to her this child will be your goel right we've we've had Boaz as a goel we've had Yahweh as the goel now this child is the Goel, is the kinsman redeemer who will restore life to Naomi, right? To give her again something great to do with her life, right? She's no longer just the daughter, the mother-in-law of, of Ruth. Now she's a mom again. She has a purpose. She has a story that matters, right? She has nothing to do with her life. Uh, and, and I think this is overwhelmingly significant um, that for Naomi to move forward in a future with God, it's not enough just uh, to know that the people that she cares about are okay. Naomi needs a purpose, right? She needs something great to do. And so, and so Ruth and Boaz give her this ultimate gift. They say, parent with us. Be part of a story that matters. Your life still matters. And, and I think this is a critical component for us as a people of faith. See, I, I think we are the stories that um, we tell ourselves about ourselves. Uh, and, and it is so easy for us Um, to to tell ourselves, hey, my story is over. My story is done. That's that's the situation that Naomi is in. When she comes back to Israel, she says, I went away full, I came back empty. I used to be pleasant, now I'm bitter. And the power of those stories over us is immense. They can shape our lives for good or for ill. There's a wonderful book called The Blessing by Gary Smalley and John Trent. And they talk about the power of picturing a future for someone else, of inviting them into a story that matters, um, or the danger of doing the opposite. And they tell a story of a guy named Barry. Um, You're a bum. You'll always be a bum. Barry's father said these words to him on his way to his college graduation, a ceremony his father did not even attend. This was not the first time, nor would it be the last, that Barry would hear these words. In fact, they were the only comments Barry ever received from his father about his future. When I saw Barry in counseling, he had just lost an important position in a major insurance company. At first glance, this seemed hard to believe. Barry was extremely intelligent and gifted. He was an eloquent speaker with a charisma that marks many successful business people. However, less than a year after landing his current position, Barry had self-destructed. All the motivation he had shown when seeking the job seemed to evaporate once he was hired. He became irresponsible in handing projects and people, and within six months, he was looking for work. What was it that acted like an anchor in holding Barry back from reaching his God-given potential? Three words, you're a bum. Repeated over and over in Barry's presence and in his mind, even eight years after his father's death. They had wrapped themselves around him like a constricting cocoon, and he emerged an insecure, irresponsible, defeated, and self-defeating man. A law of physics says that water cannot rise above its source. A similar principle could be applied to Barry and many people like him. If a parent pictures a child um, with a value in their life that is low, that child will find it difficult to rise above these words. See, I think this is the story that Satan tells us, right? You're a bum. Uh, you don't matter. Your life is bitter. Your life is empty. But here comes Naomi and Ruth and Boaz and Yahweh with a different story, um, with a promise that emptiness can be filled even when it seems beyond hopeless that we can be given something great to do at any stage of our life, that there is never an end to the promise and the hope and the potential of God, that the source that He has for us, the the purpose He has for us is so exalted that we can never uh, stop climbing to get there, that God has something great for us to do, a story that matters, if we can only imagine and keep moving forward with Him, that He is not done with us, that he is the restorer of life for us. So the the first um, surprise ending for the life of Naomi in the book of Ruth uh, is that she ends up being a parent again. She ends up um, with something great to do in her old age that she never imagined was possible that God wasn't yet done with her. Here's the second surprise. I think this one you know. Um, though Ruth is an incredible story in its own right, one might ask the question, if you're hearing it for the first time, why is this story in the Bible? Uh, it's a great story, and it talks about faithfulness, and it talks about um, God's goodness, and it talks about um, redemption. Um, but, but what makes it significant enough that it makes it into the stories of Scripture? And, and if we didn't know already, we discover at the end, right? The, the surprise ending for the book of Ruth is that this line of a family in Israel, which almost died out except for the exceptional faithfulness of these three people and their great God, this line ends up being the very line of the kings of Israel, the very line from which King David will come, the very line from which Messiah Jesus will come. Uh, And so we discover that Ruth is a story that matters, right? Ruth isn't just a great tale of of a a loving couple. Ruth is a story that matters because because of this story. Um, We have a future and a hope. There is no kingdom of Israel without the story of Ruth. There is no kingdom of God without the story of Ruth because there is no Jesus without Ruth. Uh, And so I, I love this moment when The women come to Naomi and they say, hey, your child is a Goel. Your child is a kinsman redeemer. Your child will be a restorer of life to you. Because I thought, boy, that is the promise, right? But when I read this story, I hear those words a little differently. I hear, for unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. And authority is upon his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. This is a story that matters uh, because even though Ruth and Boaz and Naomi may not know it, God will do extraordinary things through their family. I have often wondered this. I've often wondered how old, how long um, Naomi and then maybe Ruth and Boaz get to see their generations progress. Does Naomi make it to see um, Obed's son Jesse? I don't know, but I, I like the idea that she does. How about Ruth? Um, does Ruth live long enough to see her great-grandchildren? She has seven of them. The youngest's name is David. Does Ruth ever get to meet David? Uh, just, it's an incredible question. I don't think we ever can know. But here's what I'm 100% certain of. I'm 100% certain that at this moment, as Ruth and Naomi enjoy the incredible redemption of their God, they know this child, Obed, that they are parenting together is special. By the way, every parent knows that their child is special, right? They know that God will do extraordinary things for this little boy, Obed, and you have to imagine that he grows up hearing this story again and again and again. Let me tell you what God did for us. Let me tell you um, how amazing your dad is. Let me tell you how extraordinary your mom was. Let me tell you the amazingness of your grandma. And this story gets poured into Obed, and I'm certain he pours it into his son and his grandsons. And so when a little boy named David shows up and hears there's a giant that needs to be slain for the sake of Israel, he doesn't say, boy, I'm just a bum. I couldn't handle that. He says, no, I know who I am. Uh, I am of this line that God loves and cares for and is preserved. And all it's going to take is a sling and a stone and the name of God, and I'm going to win this fight. Right? David knows because he's been told that God will do great things in him. And so this is so key for us. It's not just that we need a story that matters, we have to invite others into a story that matters as well. And this is the purpose of great grandparents and grandparents and parents and aunts and uncles and coaches and teachers and Sunday school leaders and youth leaders and good friends and great bosses. And um, the purpose of all these people in our life is to invite us into a story that matters, a story um, where Christ is at the center and we are doing great things for him. So I wonder, who are the people um, who have invited you into a story like that? It's not always parents. Uh, I mean, my, my parents certainly did that for me, but it's not always parents. I, I, I'm mindful of a, a family in our church that has chosen over the last few weeks to do their own sort of vacation Bible school, Sunday school program in their home. So they've invited, I think they have five kids, uh, a couple of uh, great grandkids, and a couple of uh, three neighbors' children, and they're working on some others. Uh, and they come over once a week and they read Bible stories with those kids and they teach them Christian hymns and they love on them and they tell them the story of Jesus and what they're doing is they're inviting them into a story that matters, right? Not their kids, um, but kids they love that they invite into a story that matters. It's not always children that we do this with, right? We, we have this wonderful ministry you all know about called Hearts of Hope uh, and we're getting closer to that season in the life of our church. And what we do is we invite families in our local school district to apply, uh, and then we provide those families with gifts and food and clothing uh, and an opportunity for prayer and prayer partners and all kinds of other stuff. And, and, and what we're really trying to do in that ministry is say, hey, your family matters to us. Your family matters to God. Uh, And even though you don't know us, and we don't even get to know your name because of privacy restrictions, um, we care about you so much that that we want to show you a little bit of of how much you matter, and we want to invite you in to a story that matters. And here's where it begins, with the birth of a little boy who was a Goel, right? Who was a restorer of life, who was a kinsman redeemer for you and for me, Uh, One other just simple way that we pass on this story. Um, We were talking about, uh, before church, I was talking with some folks about um, Mission Starfish Haiti, our outreach partner in in Haiti, where we have the privilege of, uh, well, actually, we haven't been there in a number of years because of all kinds of reasons. We went there three years ago, two years ago, and we have the privilege of sort of continuing on and supporting them. And a number of us have had the opportunity to sponsor a child at that school. And so, I don't even know what it is. I think I pay $30 a month. I don't, I'm not even sure. Krista handles the finances in our house for obvious reasons. Um, but we, for like $30 a month, um, we pay for this little girl named Emergina to go to school and to have food and education and a little bit of medical care uh, every day. And we send a few letters back and forth over the course of a year and we pray for that little girl every night. And if I forget, my children remind me. And what we're trying to do, uh, beyond just giving her food and education and medicine, is to let her know that she matters. In the poorest country in our hemisphere, in a, in a world where um, she doesn't have buying power or political power, Or um, we want her to know that she matters to us and she matters to God, and she's part of a story uh, that matters. And I have no idea what Emergina might become or what her children might become or her grandchildren might become, um, but I love that question. Who are the people that you're inviting into the story of God? And who might their great-grandchildren be? What might God do if your story and their story matter as much as the story of Ruth, Naomi, and Boaz. Okay, there's there's one last um, kind of surprise ending to the book of Ruth. And it's not exactly a surprise, but it is surprising. Maybe you noticed this as you read this book with us, but it's really, really ordinary. I mean, this is one of the most ordinary books in the Bible. There are no angels in this book. There are no miracles in this book. No person in the course of this book ever hears the audible voice of God. There's no theophany. There's no moment where somebody sees something that is defying logic. It is so very ordinary. Only twice in this entire book of Ruth are we ever told that God explicitly does something. In the first chapter, the Lord remembers his people and gives them food. And in this chapter, the Lord enables Ruth to conceive and bear a son. And yeah, absolutely, we see God's hand in the background. But what I love about the story of Ruth is that um, it could be my story. Guys, I, I've never had an angel appear to me. Uh, and while I've seen God answer prayers in miraculous ways, nothing that I've ever been a part of is like the stuff that, that Peter and Paul and Jesus do. Uh, and yeah, I feel like God has spoken to me, but I've never heard an audible voice the way Isaiah or Jeremiah heard God. Um, this feels like my story. Right? And, and when I am reminded that God calls me into um, sort of the ordinary faithfulness, I, I realize that um, I, I can't live my life waiting for the big moments, right? I mean, if my story matters, if I'm in a story of significance with God, um, it's easy to say, well, yeah, there'll be one day. There'll be one day where my story really matters, where Somebody um, bursts into my life and says, Hey, if you just tell me the story of Jesus, then I'll, I'll give my life to Christ right this minute, and then you'll do it to 10 more people and 100 more people, and I'll be Billy Graham, right? That would be great. I would love to be Billy Graham. Um, but, but that may not be my story, right? And, and I believe that one of the risks that we take is if we are always waiting for a big moment, we miss all the important ones. Because it's all the ordinary moments of our lives that are important it's the ordinary moments of our lives where we choose to be faithful to our mother-in-laws it's the ordinary moments of our lives where we choose integrity on the threshing floor it's the ordinary moments of our lives where we choose uh, to compassionately give to someone beyond what they could ever have imagined Uh, it's the ordinary moments of our lives where we say God I'm not going to be done with you because you're not done with me and in those ordinary moments, that's where we find the great significance of our story. If you've been around the block with me for a few years, you know that I love C.S. Lewis. Uh, and uh, you probably also know that my favorite book by C.S. Lewis is The Great Divorce, which is a metaphor of heaven and hell. Uh, and you may also know that my favorite story in The Great Divorce is uh, this story I'm going to share. In The Great Divorce, there's a man who takes a bus from a shadowy realm that's supposed to be hell to a a brilliant realm that's supposed to be heaven. There he meets a guide and he encounters all these spirits. And the one that sticks with me every day uh, is this woman. He sees this woman who is just majestic walking by. So in awe of her is he that he turns to his guide and he says, is that... And he means, is that Mary, right? Mary, the mother of Jesus. And his guide uh, responds, not at all. It's someone you'll never have heard of. Her name on earth was Sarah Smith, and she lived at Golders Green. She seems to be, well, a person of particular importance. Aye, she is one of the great ones. You have heard that fame in this country and fame on earth are two quite different things. And who are those gigantic people? Look, they're like emeralds who are dancing and throwing flowers before her. Haven't you read your Milton? A thousand liveried angels lackey her. And who are all these young men and women on each side? They are her sons and daughters. She must have had a very large family, sir. Every young man or boy that met her became her son, even if it was only the boy that brought the meat to her back door. Every girl that met her was her daughter. Isn't that a bit hard on their own parents? No. There are those that steal other people's children, but her motherhood was of a different kind. Those on whom it fell went back to their natural parents loving them more. Few men looked on her without becoming in a certain fashion her lovers, but it was the kind of love that made them not less true, but truer to their own wives. And how, but hello, what are all these animals? A cat, two cats, dozens of cats, and all those dogs? Why, I can't count them. And the birds and the horses, they are her beasts. Did she keep a sort of zoo? I mean, this is a bit too much. Every beast and bird that came near her had its place in her love. In her, they became themselves. And Now the abundance of life she has in Christ from the Father flows over into them. I looked at my teacher in amazement. Yes, he said. It is like when you throw a stone into a pool and the concentric waves spread out further and further. Who knows where it will end? Redeemed humanity is still young and has hardly come to its full strength. But already there is joy enough in the little finger of a great saint such as yonder lady to waken all the dead things of the universe into life. I wish for you a life of ordinary faithfulness. I wish for you a life of great significance. I wish for you a life of fullness that exceeds your expectations, uh, where uh, you have a future and a story that matters that is inseparable from the story of Jesus Christ. Uh, Where he goes, you go. Where he lodges, you lodge. Uh, Where his people are your people and his God is your God where he dies and is buried, so too you are die, You die and are buried, and so that you are never parted from him even by death. And, and I pray that you might take your place in that story that matters, in that story that never ends, and invite someone else to join you in it uh, and say, come, uh, let's change the world together. May it be so. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.